Lauren has not had the baby yet. Uh, that could be misunderstood. She's, she's due any day, any day. And we eagerly anticipate and wait. Hey, today's message is entitled Live Ready. We're in the middle of this Heaven's Matters series. And Heaven Matters, guys, we need to understand heaven. We need to understand what heaven looks like. We need to understand what heaven is like. Heaven matters for the life that Christ has called us to live. And so today, I'm entitled, my message is entitled Live Ready. And as you guys know, or you may know or may not know, I do my messages on my iPad. I create a little keynote here. And so my software is very um, happy to remind me when I reuse a title. I try to put in a title, and it says, that title's already been used. You can't use that again. And so this is now two weeks in a row where my title was already used. So last year, uh, we, we had a, a message entitled Heaven Matters. And then last year, we also had a, a, a sermon within the uh, End of the World as You Know It series entitled Live Ready. And you may remember this or not, the, the message was Live Ready for Jesus' Return. Okay? So today we're going to take a little bit different take. The, the message title didn't change. The fact that the software told me, hey, you used that title already, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. Uh, we're not changing the title. But today we want to live ready for heaven. Okay, let me, let me rephrase that. We want to live ready to go to heaven. All right, let me rephrase that one more time. We need to live ready to die. Death isn't something that we like to talk about. We don't like to think about death. That's why we call it life insurance, not death insurance. Many of us are afraid of death. There's a lot of uncertainty surrounding death. We don't know. We don't understand. We don't like to talk about death. I had the opportunity to grow up right next to a senior citizen community. And so there was a lot of old people that lived there. And so as you would expect with older people, there's a greater propensity for them to pass on, to die. And so death was something that I was very familiar with, even as a young person. I would ride my bike around this senior citizen community. I was one of the only kids that lived in this, this area, and I knew a lot of the different people. And then the next thing I know, what happened to, to Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so? Oh, well, they, they died. They passed away. And so death was something that I was very, very familiar with. And so many of us have had a loved one that died, that has died. Many of us have had somebody that lived, that has been very close to us die. And death can be difficult for those that it leaves behind. We need to, as Christians, we need to learn how to mourn. There's great promises for us as we mourn. The Bible promises us uh, that the oil of, Jesus gives us the oil of joy for mourning. God comforts those who mourn. And so mourning is a part of the death. It's part of the grieving process. And we need to know how to do it. And we, do, we need to do it right. And if we don't do it, we don't do it right. We're going to be stuck. And then we get to a point where we don't like death and we don't want to talk about death. And we become afraid of death. You know what, as I was preparing this sermon series, I had this idea that, you know what, this is a great message, and you know what, we need to do a whole series on this. We need to have a series on death. And I've already come up with the title. The sermon series title is going to be DOA, Dead on Arrival. 
We're going to post it on the billboard on, on Hoosick Street. New sermon series starts this Sunday. DOA, Redeeming Love Church. Come on. Dead on arrival. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I like it. It's creative. We need to live with the expectation of heaven. Heaven. We need to live knowing that we're going to die. Death is the doorway that leads us to eternal life. Death is the doorway that gets us there. It's the only way we get there. You know, one of the problems we have with heaven, you know, understanding it, really believing it, really embracing it. Nobody's ever gone there and come back and said, hey, look, I want to show you my pictures. We go to, we take trips, right? And we're, we go to Disney World. We're coming back and we're like, hey, look, here's me in front of the castle. Look, this is me with Mickey Mouse, right? Nobody's ever come back and said, hey, listen, look, here I am walking through the pearly gates. Look, here I am. I'm hanging out, you know, on the streets of gold, you know, look, look. Hey, I tried to get this photo of, of God, you know, sitting in the throne. He's not really photogenic. It didn't come out. No, that's never happened. You know, people... Uh, People record, many people record life after death experiences. There's, hun- there's tons of these books out there. And we read them. Some of us might read them. Some of us like reading them. Some, I've read a couple myself. But when we read them, we're always like, oh, did this really happen? You know, we have trouble believing what they've written. And it's like the scripture says, when the rich man died and went to heaven, he said to Abraham, he's in Abraham's bosom. This is in Luke. He says to Abraham, send Lazarus back that they might tell my brothers. And Abraham says, no, even if someone were to go back and be risen from the dead, they would not believe. It's prophesying about us. <laughs> As Christians, we should live ready to go to heaven. As Christians, we should have the absolute best view of death of anybody on the planet. Bar none, bar none. Who has the best view of death? Me. Oftentimes that's not the case. I want to read this poem to you. This poem was uh, entitled, um, Live Your Life. It's written by Tecumseh. And uh, it was in the movie, uh, the movie that featured, it was a war movie that featured real Navy life seals. It's entitled Act of Valor. And so I just want to read this poem and I'm going to make a few comments on that. And then we're going to jump into some scripture. It says, so live your life that the fear of death can no longer enter your heart. Trouble no one about your religion, respect others in their view and demand that they respect yours. Love your life, perfect your life, beautify all things in your life. Seek to make your life long and its purpose in the service of your people. When it comes your time to die, be not like those whose hearts are filled with the fear of death, so that when their time comes, they weep and pray for a little more time to live their lives over again in a different way. Sing your death song and die like a hero going home. Now, I don't know whether or not Tecumseh was a Christian. I know that he was a Native American. I don't know whether or not he ever became a Christian, but there's a lot of things in here that we as Christians need to adopt. Number one, we need to not fear death. We should have no fear of death. The Bible tells us, do not fear 
he who can kill the body, but can do nothing to the soul. Rather fear him who can kill the body and soul. Don't fear people on the earth who can kill you. Fear God. Because he's going to determine the, the, the resting place, final resting place for you. Fear him. Don't fear losing this life. We hold on to this life so tightly sometimes. And why? Why? Number one, what reason why? Because we don't have a full understanding of what heaven's like. We're afraid that we're going to miss out on something here. Let me just say that everything in heaven is substantially better than here. We're going to see that in a moment. As Christians, we need to remember that the Bible tells us that our life is like a vapor, that we are grass, that we should not be living for this world. This is what the Bible says. It says, do not live any longer for this world. We should live for the kingdom of heaven. We should live for the kingdom of God. And we should lay up our treasure there, not here. You can't take anything to heaven with you guys. Nothing. You know, even if you were to see, you've never seen this, but even if you were to see that armored car following that hearse to the cemetery, they're just going to bury it in the dirt. It's just going to be there in the ground. It doesn't go to heaven with them. But we can send it on ahead. We can send treasure ahead. Matthew uh, 6, 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where, wrath, where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where, wrath, where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break, up, break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And so we can send it on ahead of us so that there's treasure there when we get there, and then because we have treasure there, our heart is attached there. And now we're living there and, and, and every day it just becomes more of a reality of our home. And this place, this earth that we even walk on becomes stranger and stranger. This is what we're called to as Christians. We also will have rewards waiting for us in heaven. Matthew 5, 12, blessed are they when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. There's reward in heaven beyond the treasures that we lay up. So when we get to heaven, there's treasures, there's reward. Praise God. Sign me up. I'm ready. I want to read uh, first. I want to read uh, Philippians chapter one. We're going to read uh, 12 through 30. Glory to God. Glory to God. How are you guys doing? You all right? I mean, we're talking about death today. It's a good day to die. Beginning in verse 12. Paul's in prison. And so he's writing to the church in Philippi. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my change and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not... not not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my change, chains, 
but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? What does all this mean? Paul's asking. And he says this only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, that Christ is preached. And in this, I rejoice. And yes, I will rejoice. Here's what he's saying. So let's hold up right here for one second. Let's, let's just, he's saying this, he's saying, I'm in prison, I'm in chains, and it's actually turned out for the best. Okay. Now, Follow me as he, as he, as he, then he says this, he says, there's some people out here that are around and they're preaching Christ, hoping that I get punished more severely. And then there's some others that are preaching Christ with a a true heart, really wanting people to come to the faith. And so what what does all this mean? I just praise God. I praise God for the people who are preaching Christ for the wrong reasons. And I praise praise God for the, the ones who are preaching Christ for the right reasons. This is what he's saying. Because no matter what, Christ is being preached. <laughs> you know, I had this sense today uh, that the enemy comes to steal, rob, destroy, distract He's come to your life to, to rob you of certain things, and it's actually leading to a further, deeper walk for you in Christ. I can't lose, guys. It's great. All right. In this I rejoice, and yes, I will rejoice. I'm just going to praise God for it. I'm going to keep praising God for it. Verse 19, I'll put this one up. It says, for I I know this, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing shall I be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also in Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Hold up, hold up. Uh, that's a one big run-on sentence. You know, I don't understand how Paul, uh, you, sometimes when he writes, there, there's just so many commas in there. But l- let's just boil this down. He's saying this. He says, my deliverance, uh, we'll, we'll just reword it and we'll, we'll reorganize the sentence. He says this, my deliverance, whether it's in life or in death, is going to be for the glory of Christ. He's not saying that he's going to come out of this alive. He's not saying that his deliverance means that he comes out of this alive. Go ahead. Go back home. Study this out. Reread it. Get your Strong's Concordance out. I'm telling you, man. He is not, he's not, he's not predetermining his, his, his walk. He's not predetermining what's going to happen here. He says, it'll turn out for my deliverance whether by life or by death. I'm not going to be ashamed and I'm going to give glory to God. My life and my death will give glory to God. Paul had an exceptional view of what was going on with life and death. The next line. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ. If I live, I'm just going to continue to serve and work for Christ. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is to be an example of Christ on the earth. My life is not my own. We love to quote these scriptures. 
But, but what do they mean, right? To live is Christ and to die is gain. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. Do we live that way? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. These are the scriptures. We like to quote these. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Is he? Are you letting him? Are you living this way? Do you live ready? To, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I die, I'm going to be better off. If I die, I win. What can man do unto me? He's literally, if to die is gain. He's literally saying, I'm better off dead. I'm better off dead. There's a title. There's a sermon. I'm better off dead. It's kind of morbid. Nobody likes, it's getting quiet. Nobody likes death. <laughs> you, it could be, it could be, and it can be, and oftentimes it is misconstrued as a suicidal thought. This isn't suicidal at all. And we'll see this in the next, in the next line. But literally, guys, this life we live is fantastic when we live it in Christ. It's great. It's glorious. We can live in the kingdom here on earth. It's fantastic. We can know Jesus. The veil is torn. Uh, the presence of God is here. God lives on the inside of me. It's awesome. But when we're in heaven, it's going to be immeasurably, I can't just say 10 times, 100 times, it's way better than that. We can't put a, a factor on it and say it's just this much better. It's, way, it's infinitely better than the life that we live. I'm ready. Take me now. If I went home to be with the Lord right now, right now, I wouldn't be upset. Drop dead preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. I don't know if it can get better than that. Worship maybe. It's just understanding the reality of heaven. Paul has an understanding of the reality of heaven. And he's saying, listen, this world's great and all, but let me tell you, when we get to heaven, guys, we're all just going to be unglued. We need to live in such a way that we are living ready. Verse 22, continuing in Philippians, but if I live on the, in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell for I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, not just better, far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So he's going to get fruit from his labor. There's the reward right? And yet, what shall I choose? Here's the glorious part, guys, is that we don't have to choose. God chooses for us. God has appointed a time for us to die. We don't, get, we don't have to make the choice. God picks it. I mean, I can do things to hasten it, eat poorly, drink too much coffee. Far better. Listen, I love all you guys. But there's certain people, one in particular, that I would really choose to rather spend time with than any of the rest of you. My wife. Sorry, guys. Y'all lose. I love y'all. Really, do. But, and then that much more better 
to be with Christ. That much more better to be with Christ. (sighs) Glory to God. I want to finish reading here. Uh, Because there's something important here to catch in the last. I just don't want to put up all the scriptures. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. No, uh, verse 25. And being confident in this, I want you to know that I shall remain and continue with you uh, for your progress and your joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together. Here's the unity for the faith of the gospel. And listen to this. And in not in any way terrified by your adversary. Listen, guys, just live unafraid. Just don't be afraid. And here's the glorious part is the next part. It says, when you live unafraid, not being afraid of your adversary, it's proof to your enemy of their perdition, of their impending destruction. You want to cause the enemy to flee from your life? Don't be afraid when he attacks. The enemy comes and attacks your life and you're afraid. Well, he's getting what he wants. And so he'll just keep attacking. The enemy comes and attacks your life and you laugh at him. <laughs> you're ridiculous. Right? And then the enemy, the Bible tells us right here, that the enemy thinks to himself, oh no, that's right, I'm doomed. Their impending destruction, their perdition, their impending destruction. And so they're like, I'm doomed. And so they're not going to attack again because then it's just going to be more of a reminder that they're doomed. And so the enemy will flee. Resist the enemy and he will flee. But to you of salvation and that from God, for it is For to you it has been granted on behalf of Jesus Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Hebrews 9.27 says this, it is appointed unto man to die once and then after this the judgment. And so here's a couple things that we know about death. We die one time, right? And so it's this scripture that helps us to have a hard time believing some of those life after death experiences. They died, they came back from from the grave, and then they died again. Listen, this happened to Lazarus, so we can't be all that surprised. But the scripture says it is pointed to men to die once, and then after after this, the judgment. Number one, we know that we're going to die, that we've been appointed to die. Number two, we know that there's judgment coming. And number three, uh, this verse and another verse, it says to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord means that there is no intermediate state. We don't die and then rest and then wait for the end of time and then go to heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We take our last breath here. We take our first breath there. I want to I be so close. I want to live. I want to live. Guys, this is my goal. I want to live so close to Jesus. That when I get to heaven and I'm standing there, my only question becomes, where did everybody go? (laughs) I can see it now. I'm standing here. I'm in the midst of worship. And I I don't know, maybe I'm 80 years old. Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be next week. And (laughs) no, it won't be next week. We'll get to that in a minute. I've got a scripture for it. Standing here in worship, close my eyes, get this vision of the throne room. 
And I'm like, wow. You know, and then next thing I know, I open my eyes and I'm like, where are the blue walls? Where's the drum cage? Where's Jamie? Where, where's Jordan? Where's, where's everybody? Where'd they go? Oh, I'm here. <laughs> Praise God. Here we go. Second uh, Peter 1, 13 through 14. I'm, re- I'm just pulling out all these scriptures that deal with death because we need to understand death but from what the Bible says about it. Peter says, yes, I think it is right. As long as I am in this tent, he's talking about his human body. As long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you of what he had written in verses 1 through 12, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as the Lord Jesus Christ showed me. He's referring to his body as a tent. And then he says, God showed me that pretty soon I'm going to be getting rid of this tent. Come again. Jesus told him it's time to die. Love it. God hasn't told me that. Like I, we talked about, I just talked about like maybe next week. No, God, God, my father has a sticker on, on his refrigerator, I think. And it said, God, or maybe it's a plaque that hangs on the wall. It says, God has given me so much to do. I'm never going to die. <laughs> okay. Well, no, uh, I like the sentiment and I know that God, God has given me a lot to do and God's called me to do certain things and I haven't finished them. So I know it's not my time to go. Can you imagine? Paul says the same thing. Paul says, the Lord showed me that it's time for me to go. It's time for me to put off this earth suit. We're going to take off this body, just like a suit, and we're going to leave it behind. We're going to go to heaven, and we're going to get a new heavenly body. Glory to God. Glory to God. How many of you ever spent a night in a tent? How many of you have ever spent a week in a tent? How many of you ever spent that not in your house or under some other structure, right? Living in a tent, it's all right. (laughs) How many of you live in a tent currently? (laughs) No? (laughs) Gee, why? Because it's subpar living, right? Who would want to live in a tent? How many of us, you're, I don't know where you live now, apartment, house, whatever. How many of you would choose to live in a tent? Hey, I got this great little tent. It's set up down in, down in North Troy. <laughs> you know, there's a heater in there. Keeps it somewhat warm. It's actually got a floor. In the, it does, it's not a dirt floor. There's actually a plastic floor in the tent, so it keeps... Most of the moisture out. <laughs> Have you ever been camping? You go camping for a week, you come home, it was a beautiful sunny week, and everything is wet. <laughs> People that have been tenting know what I'm talking about. You go tenting and the ground just has moisture in it and it gives the moisture right up to your stuff. Put your bag of clothes on the floor, they're wet, they're all wet. <laughs> a tent's fine, it's fine. None of us would choose to live there. Same way, guys. This is an earthly tent. 
It's good for the time being. But I have a home in heaven that Jesus prepared for me. He goes to prepare a place for me. In my house, God, Jesus said, in my house are many mansions. You want a tent? Or you want the mansion? I'm ready. <sighs> Love it. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, same terminology being used by Paul is being used by Peter. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building made from God, a house not made by human hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. My body groans sometimes. We've been working out, right? We did that little uh, honor God with your body. We've been working out. My flesh has been groaning and moaning. There's pain, stiffness, soreness. My body groans. I'm groaning. I'm ready. Live ready. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, for the things which are seen are temporary, they're transient, they're subject to change, they're passing away, but the things which are not seen are eternal, they are, will last forever. I added a couple words in there. If you go to the Amplified, those words are in the Amplified. I just stick them in because it's good. They're temp the things of this world are temporary. They're transient. They're subject to change. They're passing away. This world will pass away. But the things of God, the things of heaven, they're eternal. We suffer for a moment in this life. This light affliction, Paul says, it's not heavy. I mean, sometimes we're like, yo, it's heavy. We think it's heavy. It's, it's lightweight compared to what it's accomplishing in us. The, the trial that you're under is nothing compared to what it's working in you. It's preparing you for heaven. The trial that you go through today, it's preparing you for heaven. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Our very breath is but a moment. How, how much does your life mean in the, in the glimpse of eternity? There is a highway that stretches all the way around the United States. I-90 goes from Maine to, to, to Washington. And then you can pick up highway, I don't know which one it is, goes down the West Coast. So you could pick up highway 10, comes all the way across the East Coast. And you can come back up 95 and you can make the circle. And it's a never-ending loop. It's 5,000 miles that way, 1,500 miles that way, 1,500 miles this way, or 5,000, 5,000. And then it just goes around and it never ends. That's eternity. And your life is one of those little grooves cut into the highway so that you don't run off the road. That's your life. And that highway that just keeps going around is eternity. And when you come around the second time, your life's not there anymore. You only live once. <laughs> this is our life, guys. We make such a big deal of this life. We, if we put it in the reality of eternity, it means it's so little. It's a vapor. Wow. 
Revelation 12, 11. Love this verse. And they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their own lives even unto the death. We sing that song. I don't know. I think we sang it here. We will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Everyone overcome. We will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Right? It's great. Great song. Let's sing it the way the Bible says it. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and not love our own lives even to death. Pastor Matt, I don't know that's a chart topper. I don't think you're going to make the WOW Hits 2021. (sighs) We will overcome. And these are those, and they, these are those who overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their own lives even unto the death. As American Christians, we're far too concerned with our own life. As American Christians, many times we're far too concerned with ourself. And we haven't taken the stance that Revelation 12, 11 talks about, about not loving our own lives even unto the death. Listen, I'm not suicidal and I'm not looking to die, but I'm ready. It's an old Western. I couldn't even tell you the guy who's the actor. I think it's Dirty Harry, right? Go ahead, punk. Make my day. Clint Eastwood. Um, Um... Pastor Tom had a story about somebody pulled a gun on him down at the port of Albany. And he, what do he say? He says, you'd be doing me a favor. <laughs> Obviously, everybody would miss me if I was gone. I get that. But are we ready? Do we live ready? Are we ready to go? Pack my bags, baby. Sign me up. Let's go. Jesus, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. Ah, and then he says, no, you've got a lot to do. Like, get working. Okay, but I'm ready. Just in case, like, you know, God's never going to be surprised. Your mansion's not going to be not finished when you get there. Oh, uh, can you just wait right here? We're putting the the finishing touches on your mansion. So just just wait right here. It's not like when you get to a restaurant. It's ready. Come on, let me show you your place. Here you go. The apostles, here's why this is important. The apostles were better able to transform the world in which they lived because they were not afraid to die. They lived ready to go to heaven. They understood heaven. They had a knowledge of heaven. Jesus sat for 40 days. It says in the book of Acts that after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, that Jesus taught them for 40 days on what the kingdom of heaven was going to be like. I'm sure he was telling him, in, my, in heaven, when you guys get there, listen, you gotta, you're going to want to check this out. I'll show you. I'll walk you down, I'll walk you down this by the sea of glass. I'll show you what's going on over there. You're going to want to, it's amazing. 
And because they lived from a point of the reality of heaven, nobody in this world could make them afraid. What can you do to me? What can you do to me? You're going to kill me? Okay. Praise God. Jesus told them, I go to prepare a place for you. They believed him. Jesus told them that they would be persecuted and it happened. Jesus said certain things that would uh, signify the death by which they would die, not pleasant things. And it happened. They knew that it was going to happen. Jesus prayed and asked the father that the apostles, that they might be with him where he was and that they might be with him where he's going. John 24. God, I pray that these that you've given me, that these who believe in my name, that those who believe in my name would be with me where I am. Jesus prayed and asked the father that these, that the apostles would be, and us, would be with him in heaven. And so Jesus goes to heaven after teaching for 40 days. He's there. And then 20 years, 30 years later, the apostles all, their hearts are like, man, I just want to be with Jesus again. I just can't wait to be with him. Remember when he was here? I just want to be there. Like as good as this world is, it's not as good as it was when he was here. John, I think it's chapter six. Jesus teaches, he's teaching, and he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And the word says, the Bible says that many departed from him. Many, not a few, not some, many. Many of those who followed departed. And Jesus said to the apostles, he said, do you want to go too? And Peter pipes up and says, you alone have the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? They had no idea what he was saying. Cannibalism? Really? Like, this is against Jewish, like, you can't do that. They didn't understand. They didn't understand what he was saying until after the, the Last Supper, when he presented his body and, and blood as the bread and the wine. They didn't understand until maybe that moment. Maybe he even had to teach him in those 40 days later. But they didn't understand, but still they didn't want to leave. Why? Because the presence of Jesus is that great. What's the most wonderful thing about heaven? We talk about the streets of gold, the sea of glass, the pearly gates, the, the walls of Sardis and Jasper and, and onyx stone. What's the most wonderful thing about heaven? Jesus. There's only one reason why I want to go to heaven. Jesus. God himself. His manifest, his full manifest, unveiled glory. Come on. I've tasted, I don't know how much, but a, a little of his presence. I get it often and regularly. I get charged up. I go and I worship at home. I read, I seek God's presence. I'm a presence junkie, guys. I've heard stories. Friends of mine tell me stories. Someday I'll, I'll have a story. But until then, I remember theirs. Jesus walked into a church where they were praying with only a few other people, came down the row, touched them, and they could not, when Jesus entered the room, could not stand, went right to the ground, went right to their face, laid on the floor because the presence of God was so strong that they could not stand. A friend of mine told me he was in Brazil, thousands of people in this auditorium, 
And from the back right corner, this presence just entered the room and people went down in a wave. 3,000, 4,000 people, however many were there, everyone went down. He went down. He's not a person that goes down. You push him down, he'll jump back up. Presence knocked him to the floor. He's laying on the floor and he could not move, could not lift his arm, tried with every fiber of his being and he could not move. He just was able to turn his head enough to, at the corner of his eye to see the presence of Jesus walking through the room. That's not the full manifest presence of God. Not yet. Because if the full manifest presence of God ever came, we'd all be vaporized. But in heaven, with our glorified body, we will see. I long for the day. I long for the day. I look forward to, I wait. I can't wait, guys. I can't wait. I'm living ready. The best thing about Jesus, the best thing about heaven is that Jesus will be there. The best thing about heaven is that God will be there in his unveiled glory. Man. I'm ready. 1 John 5:11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life and he who does not have the son does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God, Jesus, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of God. Paul, John says, I wrote this so that you would know that you have eternal life. I wrote this so that you know that you will live forever in heaven. I wrote this so that you could have the assurance of salvation. You don't have to worry anymore. I'm writing this down so that you know that you're saved. You know that you're saved because you believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Not mental assent, not just like, yes, I understand Jesus was a person. No, Jesus died for my sins. Jesus died for my sins. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and made an entrance for me to go to heaven. We're ready. We're ready, Jesus. Why am I still here? Because I've got, he's got things for me to do. He hasn't called me home yet. There is a time that's appointed for me. I don't know when that time is. He hasn't told me yet. I believe he will tell me as I get closer to the day. He may not tell me the exact day. Who cares? But today I live for God. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. I have no worry. I have no fear of death. I don't fear COVID or any other sickness. If I die, I die. We don't have to worry. We can have the assurance of salvation. If you're listening to me today, talk about heaven, talking about this wonderful place that we get to go when we die, the fact that we're not afraid of death as Christians. If you're listening to me today and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, if you don't know who he is as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to just make an invitation that you would come to know him as your Lord and Savior today. See, John says, these things I have written that you may believe in the name of the son, that you may know that you have eternal life. It's, it's believing that Jesus died for our sins and took away our sins that gives us the right to go to heaven, gives us the right to cross the bridge into eternity, gives us the right to go through the gates into heaven and be there with God himself. 
If you're here today or watching with us online and you've never made that decision, I just want to invite you to do that right now. There's no better time to make the decision to follow Christ than right now. Just pray with me, Jesus, I am a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins by your blood, which was shed upon the cross. God, I ask that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life by your grace and your strength. God, I pray that you would give me that entrance into heaven that we so desire. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here with us, I'm going to ask you to do just one thing. Mark on your card, today I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If you're watching with us online and you have the online engage card, you can check the same thing. Or you can send us an email. If you're watching on Facebook, you can send us an email at redeeminglovechurch.org. Let me know that you've accepted Christ. Put down your name and address. There's something that I want to send you to let you know uh, what this decision means, better explain what this decision means, and let you know what your next steps are in following Christ. Let's just pray as we leave, and uh, we're going to call Jamie up to receive the offering this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we ask that you would give us a healthy understanding of death. God, that we would not be fearful. God, that we would not live in fear of passing through the doorway to eternity called death. God, that you would uh, cause us to understand what heaven is and what it's like, what we get to do when we're there. God, that we would be not suicidal, but that we would live ready, that we would live ready that whenever you call us home, God, we would look forward to the moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, church.